0: Welcome to the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In our last episode, we talked to a sister filmmaking duo who was in pre-production on a movie intentionally focused on telling the story with the neurodivergent main character. In this episode, we speak with an actually autistic actress who was on the popular Netflix series, Atypical. Tal Anderson is an artist who has been honing her craft through first a video editing and then later an acting person. She's best known for her acting, primarily in the role of Sid on the popular Netflix series a which wrapped up its last season this year. She recently sat down with me to have a discussion on how she first got her start in the acting business some challenges she had to overcome, and what she hopes her future holds. So, with that in mind, let's get started. Paul Anderson, thank
1: you so much for joining us at the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, could you tell us a little bit about yourself to get going,
2: um yes well my name is tal anderson and i am a professional actor um i am also autistic i just completed filming the last season of the sony pictures television series a typical for netflix where i play a recurring role and i also just finished recurring in the first season of a new nbc universal studios television series it is still on, it is still untitled actually, so it is so new. <laughs> um, but it will be on Amazon Prime hopefully soon. I also have done many independent films and some commercial productions.
1: That is awesome. Um, I'd like to before we kind of talk about. Your role on Atypical and sounds like the awesome things you're doing now in this space. I'd like to start at the beginning. I'd like to talk a little bit about your background. For instance, I've been, I did some research on you and media reports state that you've known you were, quote, different from a young age. Mm-hmm. If you can remember, what are some of the things you remember that made you think you were different from others?
2: Well, for one, when I was really small, I had a hard time talking to other kids, and I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, because I always like to do different things than everyone else, and also sometimes my brain works faster than my mouth, so conversation is sometimes really hard for me. Also, when I was in school, I was pulled out of class a lot to work with therapists. I I enjoyed it, but I knew I was different because I was the only one in class who got to go do, do got to go do it.
1: When were you officially diagnosed as neurodivergent?
2: Well, actually, I remember very little about it. So I only know what my parents had told me, which is that I was diagnosed with a developmental delay. I was young at like 10 months old and then with Asperger's at about four and I've worked with a ton of therapists and had a psychiatrist my whole life but I didn't actually know I was autistic until my parents told me about at about um, 15 years old.
1: Once you had a name, had a diagnosis, had a name, your parents were able to explain your diagnosis to you, did it help you better understand who you felt you were? Or did it confirm something you already knew?
2: It really wasn't a big deal to me. I don't know why. Maybe because my parents didn't make a big deal of it or whatever. But I remember I was just like, oh, well, that explains a lot. (laughs) I don't know a lot about any of the things I've been diagnosed with. I am just who I am. And if I struggle with something, I just try to figure out a way to deal with it or work through it.
1: Could you give us an example of something that you may struggle with, that you just find a way to work through it?
2: My biggest challenge in my mind when I was a teenager was that I needed to learn to be more social and to be more confident about talking to people. So I guess knowing that there was a reason I was struggling with that helped.
1: So that's a good segue into moving in that. How did you know that this was something you would be interested in? Tell us a little about, about that.
2: I started acting to gain confidence and to help with learning to talk with people. I was starting in high school, and I knew that I needed to learn to be more social. So I started taking classes and doing improv to help with that, and it really did help a lot. Then, once I started, I fell in love with it, and I just knew that this was something I wanted to do. Really, my whole life, I have been a storyteller, and I have been acting out my favorite stories for years. I guess it took taking classes and working with a coach to really help me think that it was possible for me to do it.
1: Take us into your process. How do you prepare for an upcoming role?
2: I coach weekly with Nancy Banks Studios. And my coach, Daniel, who I love, he has really helped me to find a process to break down a character I'm either auditioning for or preparing for. Basically, I analyze who the character is and try to find a common place with the character to start from. And then I start trying to look at the script through the character's eyes instead of my own. It takes a while sometimes because sometimes the character is very different from me. But once I do this, it makes walking in their shoes so much easier. And then I can memorize lines.
1: So knowing early on, earlier, right, that you wanted to pursue acting at first, it would seem like a vehicle to tackle some social challenges then it turned into a love. Then it turned into a major life decision. I read that you left Florida, your home, and
2: yeah.
1: decided to move to Los Angeles to pursue acting. How did you come to this decision?
2: Well, I wanted to move to Los Angeles as soon as I decided I wanted to act professionally. And honestly, I wanted to come right after high school, but my parents talked me into going to college first. (laughs) So I did, and I finished my degree in film, and then I moved to Los Angeles to work an internship in video editing.
1: Were there any family members that were worried about you leaving home or did anyone tell you that you shouldn't pursue acting?
2: In my life, a lot of people had told me that I shouldn't or couldn't do a lot of things, but acting wasn't one of those things. I mean, at one point, a doctor told my parents I would never speak. Now I am talking on camera for a living. The only people who could have told me not to pursue acting were my parents and my coaches, and all of them were very supportive of it. Once I got to Los Angeles, I started looking for ways to work in the industry and pursue my acting career. You know, I started editing independent films and web series. I got an agent and and started booking roles. My parents would really prefer if I had a staff job working in some post-production house, so I would have So I would have consistent income, but they are happy that I'm pursuing something that I love and they are very proud of me and what I've accomplished as an actor. Also, they are so supportive and they make sure that I can focus on my career without having to stress out too much. And that makes a huge
1: difference. You mentioned moving out to L.A. and finding an agent. How did you go about doing that?
2: mainly online, online research and submitting, and submitting headshots and resumes.
1: So how did Atypical come about?
2: Originally, my agent sent me out to audition for a small role in episode two of season three, and I didn't get a call back. And I was super bummed out because I was fan of the show already. But then I got a call from my agent telling me that I had been cast in a um, different role and I was really confused. So I didn't have a clue who the character was until I saw the script. And I was so excited to see the character. I didn't really know or understand how my being cast, me how me being cast in episode three had happened until the end of, of season three. And I found out that when they saw my audition, they decided to add a new character to the show and they wrote me in which is amazing and very hard to believe they saw something in me and made me made a space for me in the story and that is such an amazing feeling
1: i mean for some when 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 things work out like that it's meant it sounds like it it was meant to be yeah Um, Tell us about your character, Sid, for those not familiar with the show.
2: So, Sid is a new friend that Sam meets when he starts classes at Denton University in um, season three. Sid is confident. Um, for those who don't know the show, Sam is the main character. Sid is confident, super sassy, and very hardworking. She's pretty. Determined about a lot of things. (laughs) She is one of those, one of those people who sets her mind on something and just keeps pushing forward until she accomplishes it. Sid and I do have a lot in common. We are both very loyal and I think we can both be pretty straightforward. We also want to be, want things to be right and we both push ourselves towards our goals. But We are very different in a lot of ways also. Sid, she has no problem talking to people or making friends, and school seems to be a little easier for her. I also think that although I can be a little sassy sometimes, Sid is way more sassy than me. (laughs) (laughs) And she is definitely more organized and put together than me. I really like her, and I'm so grateful the producer saw something in me and created Sid, because she's been so fun to play.
1: What did you expect going into this experience?
2: Do you mean acting as a career or the atypical experience?
1: The atypical experience.
2: I don't know. (laughs) I I guess I expected to be just like you know, being on set for a short film or a commercial, because that is what I've been doing before this experience. But it was very different. There are several episodes, you know, it films over a long period of time, and they basically go episode by episode. I mean, they have an overall idea of what the story is, but a lot of changes happen to episodes from week to week. Some, and sometimes you get three or four versions of the script. And there were many versions even before I got to see them. So I learned a lot being on the TV series, and it was amazing. Also, the team at Atypical was so supportive and they made me feel like family. And I definitely didn't expect that.
1: So you started off your career. Doing things behind the camera, like video editing, and now you're in front of the camera acting. Do you feel like you have more of a well-rounded view of this process, this overall process of TV film than did Ad- is- absolutely.
2: i I just do both edit I do both editing and acting.
1: Is there one you like more than the other?
2: Acting for sure
1: want to ask you more about as you think about your role and this being the last season now of Atypical, what is your favorite episode and why?
2: <laughs> okay, so my favorite episode of the first three seasons is episode five of season three. It's the episode where Paige throws apart a dinner party from college and she's on an iPad and it's where everyone meets this girl named Gretchen. Gretchen is so awful and her character is so funny. <laughs> and my favorite part is where Paige makes Casey take her to the bathroom and Paige asks her if they should harm Gretchen and Casey's like, yeah, I'll hold her a good punch. <laughs> and then she leaves her she leaves her there and Zahi goes in to use the bathroom. <laughs> I cried so hard laughing. So funny. It's also the episode where Casey finds out that Evan has dyslexia and that's why school is so hard for him which really meant something to me because Evan has a hidden disability and it's part of the reason why he's so quiet and stays in the shadows. The writing and the jokes in that episode were just so good and it's one of the few scenes where you have everyone playing off of each other and it just all flows really well. The whole show is just so good.
1: I could hear the joy in your voice as you recount the episode, yeah, you have accomplished quite a bit in your acting career thus far,, mm-hmm. but moving forward, who would you want to work with, and why?
2: Oh my gosh, I want to work with so many people, but i have some but I have some favorites i have been I've always been a horror movie fan, so I would love. Love to work with Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And I would also love to work with directors like Jordan Peele, Guillermo del Toro. Because again, it would be so great to work in a beautiful, scary film. But I also love to be part of a Marvel production. I actually am petitioning to play Verity Willis. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. that they have even written a part for her yet, but I really wanted to play Verity.
1: Well, something tells me that if you have your mind focused on something, that there's a higher likelihood that you will make it happen.
2: Do you know the character of Verity?
1: I don't. I'm not a Marvel person as much as my son and my husband, but you care to share? Go ahead.
2: She's a character from Marvel comic. Verity is a human teenage girl who gets special powers when she swallows a magical ring as a child. And now she is able to see through all lies, so... That makes her able to see through Lucky's deception and disguises, and they become mm-hmm. friends. I love this character and her powers. Plus, getting to work with Tom Hiddleston would be a plus. He is amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that educational lesson for me. For those of us that don't know all of the Marvel Universe, like my husband and my son, totally <laughs> so I appreciate you explaining it.
2: Plus, I'm a villain fan. I've always rooted for the villains ever since I was a
1: kid. Why is that? I'm curious.
2: Well, it's just that I don't know really. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, like the- I just like the villains more than the heroes, but villains aren't all that bad.
1: <laughs> you know, villains are complex. villains are human like the rest of us, and there tend to be. Yeah. I'm not as big of a comic book person as you, obviously, but um, villains are complex and they have strong origin stories. So I can see why you'd be drawn to them.
2: Yeah. They are more interesting.
1: Do you feel that overall looking at TV and film generally and looking at representation, whether it be neurodiversity, whether it be disability, do you feel that representations of the disability community has improved over time? Why or why not?
2: I do think it has gotten better, but it definitely still needs some work. It's nice that there are more shows and films that address disability and are casting authentically, but I don't think we will be we will actually be where we wanna be until we start, you know, seeing stories on screen that have disabled people in it just being people instead of them being in the story because they're disabled. You know, everyone deserves authentic representation on screen no matter who they are, because it validates that you exist in the world and that people
1: see you. Absolutely. What in particular, through your lens, through your life experience, would you like to see more in terms of diverse storytelling? Well,
2: I guess the next step is to see more stories that are told from the perspective of the disabled character instead of the story being about them like they usually are. That would mean that more stories need to be produced that are written by disabled writers or collaborate with them. Also, as far as autism stories, I would really like to see more stories about autistic characters of color and female and non-speaking, and also maybe stories about autistic characters who were diagnosed, you know, late in life, because I don't think they are represented, represented as much on screen.
1: I agree with you. Does your future involve directing, writing, or producing?
2: My feature definitely involves writing, but I don't know if my stories will make it on to the big screens, but I certainly hope so. (laughs) I am working on two pilot concepts right now, collaborating with some other people, and I really think they are good stories. And I do plan to try to pitch them, get them made. So I guess we will see.
1: That we shall. That we shall. But based on your past, definitely people shouldn't bet against you. That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> finally you did mention this before the last season of A yes. is, is is upon us yes how how do you feel about this the end of this chapter the end of an era if you will
2: well I am definitely sad about the show ending because I'm really going to miss the gardeners <laughs> and I am also personally going to miss the whole team because as I said before, everyone was so is so great and so supportive. But I'm also um, super excited because season in season four, we get to see a lot more of Sid. And the story is so amazing and there are so many emotions involved.
1: Well, you're, you have a big, bright future ahead of you. So the sky's the limit for you, for sure. Uh, thank you so, so much. Just generally speaking for... Anyone coming up behind you who's interested in acting, who's on the spectrum, what advice would you give them?
2: Go for it. If it's something you love, but do it. But it's a long journey ahead. It's a lot of work, so you have to work really hard. But it's really worth it, so go for it.
0: Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and subscribe. If you're interested in how this podcast came to be, check out our website at notyourmamasautism.com, follow us on Instagram at notyourmamasautism, or check out our origin story by listening to season one of this podcast on any major podcast platform. See you soon. Not Your mama's Autism Podcast is hosted and written by my
2: mom, Liladada Ali, and it's also co-written and produced by me, Fella Ollie. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors.
0: My dad, Tosin Ali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Volani Williams Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.